Hi and welcome to Healthy Life Hacks. I'm Jennifer Jeffries, the present day wise woman, a realistic naturopath coming to you from the surfing beaches of Australia. This podcast is for those of you who are wanting to really rock your life and health and live from a place of prevention. Let's get into today's episode. Are you bloated, gassy, farty, get heartburn, constipated, runny bum? abdominal discomfort, weak immune system, weight gain, chronic fatigue, fatigue in general, well, there's every chance that your gut chemistry is out of balance and in particular, your gut microbiome. As an naturopath, I love seeing people fix their health with things like fiber and foods, not fads. So in this episode, I'm going to talk all about fiber and particularly there's a really cool new book out called Fiber Fueled by Dr. Will, who's a gastroenterologist over in the States. And it's a First time I've found a doctor who actually agrees with everything that I talk about when it comes to gut. So let's go and we're going to dive deep on all things plant fiber and why and how they are prebiotics that have helped with all those things that I talked about a second ago. Let's go. So bottom line, all plants contain fiber, but not all fibers are prebiotic. What's a prebiotic? A prebiotic has to be able to pass through the GI tract, gastrointestinal tract, and stimulate, basically feed the good bacteria, and which are called the probiotics, and have them in a place where they can multiply and grow. That's it. So prebiotics are soluble fiber. Soluble fiber, which means soluble means it dilutes in water. So soluble fiber. And insoluble fiber is the other fiber that's found in plant foods and grains that makes the bulkier poo. It's not, pre, it's not prebiotic, it's not probiotic, it just makes that good bulk in a poo so that your, your body can eliminate properly. So what are some of the best uh, soluble fibre foods? Prebiotics. Um, dandelion greens, back in the old days. Dandelions, you know, they're, they're classed as a weed nowadays and people spray them, but they are so loaded in nutrition. As a naturopath, we prescribe dandelion as um, herbal tonics endlessly. The greens are, you know, the plant, the green part of the plant is one of the best prebiotics and a really good liver support. Um, artichokes, garlic, all your pungents, garlics, leeks, and onions. Psyllium husks. Psyllium husks is a really good prebiotic. It feeds your good bacteria in your gut. Also makes a great bulkier poo as well. Asparagus, legumes, barley, whole oats. In fact, whole wheat, the bran of wheat is a really good prebiotic. But people have done that. You can't eat grains because they're evil. Well, they're not evil. It's just that people are eating too many bloody um, refined and processed grains. Yes, they're evil, but not whole grains. Okay, big difference. And I'm going to talk a bit about grains. Burdock root is a great one. That's one that, again, it's a weed from the garden that we use in clinic. We take tinctures. We make um, tonics and things from the root, but you can just... Again, cook up the root and eat it. Flax seeds are a really good prebiotic. And I love flaxseed because flaxseed also contains omega-3s. So flaxseed's great. Seaweed's great. Mushrooms are great. All great foods, okay? Now, the fibre content, what we want, that prebiotic fibre, it's going to be altered when we cook. And so I don't say cook everything. I, I say, and I did a podcast only recently on it, it's great to get a combination of raw and cooked. So imagine you're cooking your meal and you've got some asparagus in your dinner, you know, nibble on a couple of stalks of raw asparagus while the rest is cooking, being lightly steamed. Make sense? So if you can get a combo of both, 
that's the best, you know, the best way to go. So this book I'm talking about, this guy, Dr. Will, when I studied to be a naturopath decades ago, I I did post-grad nutrition training with the Australasian College of Nutritional and Environmental Medicine. So cool. It's basically where doctors go to learn nutrition. Yes, that's true. But they do a one-week course and it's like, yay, I can do vitamin injections and do all those things. Anyway, that I digress. Well, no, I'm not even going to digress. It was interesting. As a naturopath back in those days, we had to write a letter to the college stating why we think we should be allowed to be admitted to the course because it was a course for doctors. And the course I went on, there was about 50 doctors and two naturopaths, myself and another guy. And really interesting, like the for definitely the first three days of the course, the only people who could answer any question, and I mean any question that one of the lecturers asked was the other naturopath and myself. We had doctors coming up into us to us in the breaks and saying, how do you know those answers? We're like, that's year one naturopathy. Seriously, they they just not taught any of that. They were taught how to do vitamin injections for all the good reasons that we love all the nutrition, but um, we knew the answers, all the how, why's and things. It was interesting for me. Anyway, I digress. One of the lecturers there changed my life. A guy by the, t- the name of Professor Avni Sali, seriously cool gastrointestinal surgeon teacher down in Melbourne. And he actually ended up losing his job as a, you know, a teacher of gastrointestinal surgery because he was teaching his clients to change their nutrition instead of having surgery. Oh, my God, what a concept. He was the coolest guy. I learned so much from him. Everything about, you know, pre, pro and postbiotics, gut chemistry in general, the impacts of stress on gut chemistry. Amazing, amazing. And this guy, Dr. Will, who's a, a gastrointestinal, a gastrointestinal, it's too big, gastroenterologist over in um, the US. He's just written this book, Fiberfield, and it's the first time in like 30 years that I've found anyone who thinks the same way uh, as the way I've learned from Professor Abney Sully. And so I love it. It's a great book. Track it down, Fiberfield. Uh, and half the book is actually recipes to give you ideas how to make some more nutritious meals. Super cool book. Anyway, I digress. Um, I love that he says, you know, as a naturopath, I talk about living, eating, eating and living close to nature the majority of the time, getting things 80, 90% right. And he says we're looking for about 30 different plant foods across our day. So when we do that, we're going to get the diversity to be able to get our, get our gut microbiome, all the good bacteria, which are probiotics, we're going to get them to be able to, you know, to be fed and flourished. So I, I really challenge you for a day or a couple of days, write down every damn thing you eat that's plant-based, your grains, unrefined grains, seeds, beans, legumes, fruits, veggies, write them all down and just count them up how many you're actually getting. Sadly, the the regular Western diet is about 10 per day. People aren't getting the diversity. And so people are getting constipated diarrhea and IBS and they're getting, you know, um, bloated and farts and burps and, you know, things like um, reflux are through the roof. Now, and absolutely, the impact of stress, cortisol stress, putting the fire out in your belly contributes to it. But if that's, you know, the one's feeding the other, we've got to manage stress, but we also need to manage gut chemistry. So anyway, check out his book. It's a great book. Interesting. Dr. Bill is also, like me, 
not a fan of restrictive diets. So things like keto, which is the evolved version of the CSIRO diet, which is the evolved version of the old Atkins diet from the 70s and 80s. Um, that's where people do high protein, high fat, low carb. And short term, they'll help people to lose weight. But long term, you are setting your body up for heart disease and cancer problems and just not cool. So, yeah, it's interesting. There was uh, there's actually been a show was on Netflix. It's probably still on at the moment, depending on when you, when you listen to this. Check it out. It's called The Blue Zones, or at least look on YouTube or something, you'll find it. But The Blue Zones was where they, they looked at the health span of people around the world. And they found five regions that were they classed as Blue Zones where they had the highest health span, different to, to, to lifespan because you can live a long time and still be not healthy. So health spans be different. And most of these people were well and truly 90s and 100s. And what they found was that their regular daily diet was 90% plant-based. And it's interesting, you know, this last week I've just been over in Korea teaching up there for a week and the, the healthy grains and the vegetables are the centerpiece of the meal. The plant is the centerpiece of the meal and meat, if they're having meat, it's the sideshow. It's the side, almost like a condiment versus the Western diet where it's like meat and then, you know, any room you've got left in your gut, you put in a few veggies and, and so often it's just not creative and definitely not diverse in the veggies that people are having. And so they're getting all these gut chemistry imbalances and ailments. Now, look, if you're a meat eater, all good, take a breath. Just take a breath. I'm not saying don't eat meat, but what if you could bring in two or three plant-based meals a week? Promise your body, even if you did it for a couple of weeks, you'll feel the difference. If you want to go cold turkey, that's cool, but you've got to have your head around it because what I know in life is that if we, you know, what like what we restrict, we crave. As soon as we're told we can't have something, we crave it. So don't do that. Hey, I can never have meat again. Mind you, if you were told you had cancer in a way that your body had to be more alkaline and not have meat, uh, you'd probably do it. Anyway, I digress. So I want to set people up for long-term success. So integrate plant-based diets slowly. You know, in my younger years, absolutely, I was a meat eater, but I've been a plant-based eater 80 90% of the time for decades now. If we go out to a restaurant, like we cook no animal at home, if we go out to a restaurant or something and they haven't got a good plant-based meal on the diet, we'll have seafood, we'll have some fish or something like that. But the majority of the time, we are absolutely plant-based. It, it, it just, your body works better on it. And like I say, we, we counted up all the, you know, a day's food. We did it for a few days, but counted up. And, and we consistently, my wife, Alice and I, we are that 25, 27 to 30 different plant-based foods every day. Our main meal is lunch of a day. And uh, imagine it's like a Buddha bowl. It's a healthy bowl where we've got about a third of the bowl is, is protein, but it's plant-based protein. So, you know, whether it's beans or legumes, uh, uh, tofu, um, things like that. Then we've got all the um, veggies, you know, all the good fibres and grains. So we'll buy things like the ancient grains or barley and those things, like I talked about, that are prebiotic and have them cooked up in the fridge ready to go and we can add them to any kind of meal. So make sure that we're getting all the right prebiotic fibres between grains and veggies. And then we also, we top our most of our meals, 80% of our meals, we're top with things, either uh, Alice loves sauerkraut, I'm a, we both love miso, and I'm a fan of kimchi. And so we always have that in the fridge that we can add to any meal. 
And the reason, da, 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 they're your probiotics. They're the healthy bacteria. Things like uh, acidophilus yogurt, the plain unflavored yogurts, the ones that make your face screw up. They're, they're also probiotics. So prebiotics feed the probiotics and allow them to flourish. And if our body is working properly, we've got more good bacteria, more good probiotics in our gut than we've got bad ones. We naturally have around about 100 trillion little critters, yes, little bacterias, running around in our large intestines all the time, all the time. And they've got to be fed. They've got to be fed. And they get fed with the soluble fibers. The prebiotic vegetables and grains that I rattled off are great. Um, yeah, actually, a couple of fruits I forgot to say on that list. One is, is green um, kiwi fruit, particularly eat the skin. And the second one is mangoes, but particularly the Kensington Pride variety, KP mangoes, are a really good source of prebiotic as well. So probiotics, and I, I see people go and spend a lot of money on expensive probiotics from the, the chemist shop or the, you know, the health food shop, and they're still eating crap. And they're wondering why their gut is not getting better, why they're still bloated, farty, and just feeling like shit. It's because they're not eating enough of the pungents and, on, and enough, you know, the garlics and onions and leeks and not enough of the good fibrous foods. So imagine your prebiotics, the good fibers, feed the probiotics, which is the good bacteria. And then the good bacteria, with their version of create waste, pee and poo out, we get what's called postbiotics, which don't get talked about anywhere near as much, but they're starting to get talked about more now. So postbiotics are things like your B vitamins, but also vitamin K and amino acids, and also antimicrobial peptides, and short-chain fatty acids. And all these things, these postbiotics, help keep the balance between good and bad bacteria. That's it. They keep the bad down. They keep the good in a place that they can flourish. So we want to do everything we can to keep that balance of good and bad bacteria. Something that uh, you mightn't think is influencing that is alcohol. Now, alcohol actually damages the good bacteria and it causes what's called dysbiosis. And dysbiosis is just that balance between good and bad bacteria. Yeah. So what's the bottom line on all of this kind of stuff? If I have to think of what foods I'm wanting to, you know, if you're a big, crazy meat eater at the moment, fantastic. Maybe look at bringing in a couple of meals a week that are plant-based and building on that. So this is an easy way kind of checklist. And you can go and see this checklist uh, when you go to my website. Uh, if you go to healthylifehacks.com.au, healthylifehacks.com.au, you'll be able to go there and just print this out, okay, or at least have a read of it. Or you can just sit here and write everything I've just said, either way. So what, what's the checklist we want to do? We want to reduce or eliminate alcohol. Yes, we do. And if you're thinking the non-alcohol alcohols that are popular nowadays are better, no, they're not. Same problem, okay? We want to eat more fruits and fermented foods. So fermented foods, remember, are the, the kimchi, the, the sauerkrauts, the misos. They're really cool. And fruits, too, really focus on uh, green kiwi fruit and KP mangoes. But fruits in general have got great fiber. We want to go the greens. Green veggies, darker the green, the better. They're really long calories, but they've got loads of nutrition. So if you're balancing out your, you know, your protein, you can have a good, you know, two or three cups. You're full, you're satiated, and yet it's incredibly low calorie and super healthy. So go the green veggies. We want to make sure we're eating our omega-3s every day. And I've, I've done podcasts in the past on the importance of omega-3 essential fatty acids. Easy source, chia seeds 
flax seeds, hemp seeds, and walnuts. That's it. I'm a big fan of having flaxseed oil every day in my diet, but even just having flaxseeds, I make my own granola, and I um, there's definitely flaxseeds in that. Ground flaxseeds, freshly ground flaxseeds, and always store flaxseeds or anything that's omega-3 store in the fridge because heat and light destroy them. Okay. We want to learn to love our aromatics. So the aromatics are the pungents. It's the onions, garlics, shallots, leeks, really important. Okay. We want to love our legumes. So beans, peas, lentils, all those things, like get into them. They're great superfoods. And I love that we're seeing them in mainstream easier to buy nowadays than they used to be. And look, if you, in the perfect world, you soak everything overnight from the dried, you know, beans and then cook them up. But if you, you know, if it's going to be the difference between you doing it or not doing it, buy the canned, okay? They're still good. We want to eat more mushrooms. Mushrooms aren't technically a plant. They're an honorary plant because they're actually a fungus, but they've got such good fiber. They're essential in our diet. And seaweed. We want to be able to have seaweed as well. And again, it's easier to find seaweeds nowadays. Um, Asian supermarkets, well and truly, but even the mainstream shops nowadays, you can find seaweed um, that you can add to salads and meals. I'm a big fan of seaweed. And another one, like Alice and I, we're big broccoli, and I've always been a big broccoli and broccolini eater. Uh, we'll eat it raw, we'll eat it steamed, you know, it goes in our Buddha bowls. It's like one of those staple daily kind of foods. But interesting, reading Dr. Will's book, he talked about how broccoli sprouts, all sprouts are great because they're closest to nature. They're the baby plant. But broccoli sprouts actually contain, you ready for it, 150 times more cancer-fighting constituents than adult broccoli, 150 times. You know, back in the 90s and the, the, the thousands, the, you know, the start of the century, we I absolutely was sprouting everything. It was, it was really trendy back there. We were all doing the sprouts all the time. I got lazy the last decade. And absolutely, I've you know got ourselves a new um, sprouter, and we've started doing broccoli sprouts. I, for, you know, for the sake of having a handful of those, so easy to grow and get 150 times more cancer-fighting properties. I'll take it. I'll take it. So, what is the healthy life hack for this episode? Bottom line: No matter where you are, just as a minimum, start thinking about integrating more prebiotic foods. Start there. Prebiotic fibrous foods and grains, you know, vegetables and grains into your diet. Go to healthylifehacks.com.au, download that list I just rattled off. They're essential to our long-term health and wellness. Remember the prebiotics, the healthy fibers that come from veggies and grains feed the probiotics, which are the fermented foods in your diet, the good bacteria, which then the waste product becomes the post biotic which is essential to keeping the balance between the good and the bad bacteria in your gut that's simple that's the bottom line and it's essential to our longevity it's essential to our wellness of physical and emotional and mental health have fun playing with pre pro and postbiotics see ya i want to thank you for being here today if you enjoyed my podcast please let me know by leaving a review on apple podcast every month I draw one lucky person who leaves a review, have a free one hour consultation with me. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you're tuning in from so that you always catch the next episode. I welcome your emails and you can write to me at podcast at healthylifehacks.com.au. 
Until next time, remember, when it comes to life, live it, love it, and get on with it.